Lord, we are coming to you right now and just thankful that we're able to come into your presence with, with boldness because of what Christ has done. Um, and uh, that we, anyone who has put their faith in Christ um, has full access to God. And so we're able to come into your presence um, and to just make our request to you and lay out our heart before you. And, and so, Lord, as a church family, we want to lift up uh, just those uh, of our, of our uh, church family members, family members and friends that who might be just physically really battling disease right now, illness. We pray for your strengthening power. Uh, as even we, we learned to pray last week, just pray that you'd strengthen these people in their, in their inner man, their inner person. That they where they really need your strength, and then also just God, we pray for healing. We pray that um, your kingdom would come down here, and your will would be done and now as it is in heaven in these situations. And so we we just pray, God, and for these folks that are really struggling physically right now, and that you would uh, uh, just help us, God, to to be your hands and feet here too, as well, to support them in their time of need. And uh, Lori, I also just want to pray for anybody that's really struggling following Jesus right now, that's really having a hard time and maybe even thinking about throwing in the towel in terms of following Jesus. I pray, God, that you would um, just let them know that there's always hope in you and that um, you will give them the strength to continue um, following you and to putting you first and to doing life your way. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would. Uh, encourage them, strengthen them, and we also just want to pray today, God, as we get into your word, um, do whatever you want to do in our hearts, God. We just want to say, have your way, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So last week we started in on this series called Pray For Me, and what we're doing is we're looking at some of the letters that Paul wrote to certain churches in the New Testament time there, and there are there are prayers that he's inserted into his letters, as incorporated into his letters. And um, many of these prayers, most of them in fact, really are, are just prayers for all time. They're not just specific to their specific situation. That they're, uh, can I just call them spiritual prayers, meaning that they're really aimed at spiritual development in these believers. And so... Um, if you could, the reason we're calling this pray for me is like, you know, well, a lot of times we do say pray for me and then we give um, some items to pray for, which is great. But then um, also we kind of forget, though, that we need to be, be spiritually minded, too, when we're praying, not just the practical, physical things that are needs. Yes, but God uh, is doing, can I say, greater things than just what's happening here in the physical world in our lives. He wants to work on our hearts. He wants to develop us to be more Christ-like. And to do that sometimes, he may not remove the obstacle in our way that we're praying to be removed, but he will help us and develop us as we go through that. And so uh, that's how I see these prayers. These prayers are, are like that. And um, I was thinking recently about uh, uh, a verse that I had memorized a while ago. It's, it's John 1624, which says, until now you've asked for nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. What a wonderful verse. What a wonderful scripture. It's a great promise, right? There where it says, 
Um, until now, Jesus says, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you'll receive. I mean, wouldn't this be great for Christmas time? Going up to your mom and dad, you know, or whoever. Whoever's giving say, I just want to let you know. If they said to you, just ask me, and I'll give you whatever you ask. Wouldn't it be awesome? You know? Um, now, is that what he's saying? Is, that, is he saying, like, blank check prayers? Kind of like, that's what I think about. Is this a blank check prayer? Is this like anything? You know, like, how about that, you know, how about that Lamborghini, God? You know, or, or whatever. Um, no, he's, you know, because, you know, whenever you, and this is, this is where people get into trouble, is whenever you look at the scriptures, you have to look at the whole thing. Not just like one verse. You have to look at it in the context of that book and look at it in the context of what the Bible says about prayer in the whole, okay? Um, because whether you, maybe you don't know this, but the Bible is a unit. Even though there are 66 individual books by these different authors over different periods of time, it's a cohesive unit, okay? And um, so, um, but what I am going to tell you is that these prayers that we're looking at, these prayers are God's will. So I know when I pray these prayers for individuals, and when you pray these prayers that Paul has for us in his letters, these things are God's will. And when I read verses like the following, uh, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him, or other versions say, better according to his will. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. In other words, if my prayers are in alignment with what God's will is, he's going to answer it, which kind of makes sense, right? Um, so the real question is then, well, how do I know what God's will is? Well, I don't know what God's will is in every situation, but in these Paul, in Paul's prayers, they are God's will. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that you can have great confidence in praying these prayers for one another, okay? Because these things are what God wants for us, okay? So, um, uh, along with this now, so we're going we're to enter into uh, another one of Paul's prayers, um, and so I'm titling this message, A Prayer to Be uh, Worthy of Our Calling. And uh, it, it really focuses in on two verses in the, in the second letter to the Thessalonian uh, church. Uh, but what we're going to do is, because it's important to kind of get the context, we're going to start from verse 1 and read through to verse 12. So um, and, and is a habit of our church is many times when we read uh, the Scripture to introduce a passage, we're going to stand up and read it together. So would you, if you're able to stand, and let's read this passage together. And um, we do this in honor of the Word of God, all right? All right, let's read this together. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because of your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. 
since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of God. Have a seat. Now, again, we're going to kind of just focus in on those last two verses, that prayer that Paul gives um, for them. But could you see some of the things, the situation that these uh, group of Christians were in? They're, they're suffering. They're being persecuted for their faith. Um, and so um, and Paul's trying to give them some word of encouragement. Um, and, you know, even using words as he, as he talks about, you know, it says, uh, so indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. In other words, you know, you've got to leave vengeance up to God. You need to leave, you know, he's going to repay what needs to be done. He will mete out justice in due time. And so, um, um, you know, when, when we think about that, and there are other places in Scripture that talk about that, it's not for us to take justice into our own hands. Uh, that um, you know, whenever an injustice is done to you, is to be thinking about that it's okay. Um, it can be helpful if you relinquish that thing to the Lord, knowing that He will one day um, make all things right. Okay, and justice will be done. It may not be on this earth. Okay, but uh, in the end, it will. And so these believers were really going through it. Um, and uh, you even just see early on in those first couple of verses that Paul's saying, we ought to always get to give thanks for you for you guys uh, because your faith is growing abundantly. Even though they were really going through difficult times as a church, persecuted because of their faith, they were growing spiritually. Uh, the roots were going down deep in Jesus. Um, and so he's like, we ought to give thanks to God for you guys for that. And also it says the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Their love for each other. So this is, the, this is the group of people to which this letter is written and for which this prayer is prayed. All right. So, um, so what I want to do now is just kind of look, we're going to look at three things. Three things in this prayer in verses 11 and 12. So um, I'm going to kind of turn this into like, well, how could we use this prayer to pray for other believers? Because it really is, this particular prayer is targeted towards other believers. Okay, um, Now, so, uh, first thing is, uh, pray God would work in their lives in such a way as to make them worthy of God's calling. Okay, Pray God would work in their lives in such a way as to make them worthy of God's calling. Now, we need to define some terms. We need to understand um, specifically, what is this calling? You know? God got my number, you know, on speed dial. Uh, what does that mean, um, this calling 
And then what does it mean to be, to, to be made worthy of this calling? Okay, so I think we need to unpack that a little bit. So, um, well, uh, to get to that, we need to look at a number of other passages that are going to help us unpack this. Just a few other verses. Um, so remember, this is where we're getting this from. It says, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. And we're looking at that one. All right, but to get there, let's take, we're going to take a look at Romans 8, verses 7 and 8. And this really, this verse here helps us understand the heart condition, the spiritual condition of every person born in this world, okay, save the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Um, every human being born in this world is born in this particular state. Now listen to this description. It says, For the mind uh, that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. Now again, we're kind of dropping into a passage here, but uh, this is the mind of every person who's born in this world. Is it says, it says, The mind is set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot you see, get that? We are incapable on our own um, to, to actually submit to what God asks of us. I mean, that's like pretty heavy duty. Like, okay, you're saying I can't really uh, obey God's law on my own? No. Verse 8, those, it says, um, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. All right, so I, this is this is a uh, reality, and uh, a lot of people don't like this because they like to think that there's a little bit of good in them, okay? And yet we can do uh, like good things, but uh, actually, even those times, many times the, the motives are not pure, okay? So, uh, and, and also in the book of Romans, it tells us in chapter three that there is none good, no, not one. Um, so, in a sense, kind of like a good story, you have to get the people that need saved good and lost. And that's exactly not a story, that actually is the reality. Because those two verses that I just we just read in Romans 7 and 8 basically say, we can't do anything that pleases God. We can't. Uh, it's, it, it, we are not capable. All right? Okay, so now what? Um, well, let's take a look at another Romans verse, 4.17. It says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. This is kind of, Romans 4 is all about faith, that salvation is by faith in Christ. And he's kind of pointing back to Abraham in the Old Testament and how he was uh, seen by God as a righteous man because of his faith. Okay, so really the emphasis is faith. So it says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of of the God in whom he believed, he being Abraham there. Now, listen to what it says to us about God. The very last phrase here. Who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Okay? Uh, so this is our God. He, bring, he makes dead things come alive, and he can make things out of nothing. Okay? So... Put that in the context of the 
uh, of the other verse too, of just that we talked about, like, you know, our hearts are, 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 are in a sense kind of at war with God when we're born in this world. We don't want to submit to his rules. We want, to, we want to live life his way, but our way, right? And we're incapable of doing what pleases God. So what it's going to take is an act of God. It's going to take a work of God in any person's life if they're ever going to come after God. Okay? If they're ever going to seek after God, if they're ever going to do what does actually please God, God's going to have to do something because He's the one that makes dead people spiritually become alive. Okay? This is really important. This is like fundamental uh, in the Christian faith is that God says, this is who you are. Okay? And this is who I am. And if you've uh, read some of the Gospels, you may have heard of the story of Lazarus, right? And Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus's, and he died. And um, Jesus was delayed in getting to him um, because uh, Lazarus's sisters really wanted Jesus to heal him, but you know he made it kind of too late. Well, it's not too late for Jesus. Because he makes dead things come alive. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. What did he do? He called Lazarus' name. Lazarus, come forth. Okay, now this is physically happening. But you know, realize this is what God does spiritually. Anytime someone comes to faith in Jesus, he's saying, you, Cam, come forth. Right? That's what he's saying, right, spiritually. And he did that for Cam one day. Right? One day, he knocked on Cam's door through a neighbor, okay, and Cam eventually, some years later, Jesus came knocking at the door of his life and said, come forth. He called him. There was a time when Cam, I'm pointing on Cam because he started to walk forward, I might as well pick on him. Yeah, so, I mean, fair game, yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, there is... Uh, we are spiritually dead, born in this world, as I've been saying. But then when someone puts their faith in Christ and is drawn to the beauty of Jesus and what he's done, and that is an act of God. That's what I'm getting at. We can't do that on our own. God's got to be working. So He draws us to himself. That's the calling we're talking about. That's the calling. Okay, The call of God. Okay, And um, it's a beautiful thing. You know, if you're a believer, you look back on all the things that God did as He was calling you. Right? And so, um, that's what is happening here. Is God? We've got to realize God is the one who does this work in a person's heart. Right? And He's the one who was doing the work in these Thessalonians. This prayer that we're looking at. It's like, God called you. Right? He saved you. That's Basically, it's kind of synonymous with their saving, but God did it because they were dead. Dead as a doornail spiritually. And God awakened uh, life in them, spiritually speaking. Now, um, let's take a look at another verse in Romans here. Um, and it says in Romans 8.30, And those whom he predestined, he also called. Same calling we're talking about. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, there's a lot of here. 
But what I want you to see is that every person that God calls always remain His. In other words, from this initial kind of like, okay, we don't have enough time to talk about predestination, okay, but God knows, uh, you know, He's not bound by time. He knows who's going to respond. He knows who are His, those who He's going to choose. And so, from that, from those who called, He justified and they are glorified. The glorification is complete when Christ returns. That's being glorified. Okay, we'll have glorified bodies. We'll, you know, we'll be all made, all things be made new. Okay, that's think about that as the glorification. But the the reason for mentioning this verse is I want us to realize that there's nothing you've done if you're a believer to actually um, merit God's uh, calling you. Okay, as well as like, oh, you know, I look better than other people, and so He chose me. You know, no. No, it's not. There's no nothing in us that merits that. It's simply His mercy and grace. Okay, um, and 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 because of that, all those who are gods will never be lost. Okay, that's that's a wonderful news, right? You, it's like you can't, you did nothing to be called. You can't be doing anything to be uncalled. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's important. So. Um, so that's the reason I'm mentioning this verse. Now, um, now back to the prayer. Okay, so we got we did this little kind of rabbit trail, which was purposeful to talk about what is the calling, right? And who does the calling, and why do we need the calling? Because we're dead, right? Dead man don't talk. Dead man don't respond. Dead people, you know, they're dead. You know, not to be morbid, but that's that's what he's saying. Spiritually, that's the way we are. But thanks be to God, because of what Christ has done on the cross and the power of the gospel, right? Um, as Paul says in Romans 1, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Not everyone who merits it or who's good enough because nobody's good enough, right? Um, God's standard is perfection. Nobody meets that standard, right? Okay, so now... So what is, why is Paul praying for these Thessalonians? Why does he pray that, that they would be considered worthy of the calling? Why would he pray, you know, what, what does it mean to pray that someone would be worthy of the calling? And someone might fall into the trap of thinking, oh, this is back to kind of earning it. I mean, I've got to earn it to keep it now. Uh, well, that wouldn't be right because that contradicts other places in Scripture which says that God's going to complete this work that He started in us when He called us alive out of the grave spiritually, right? So Philippians 1, 6 says, And I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you, and that good work is the, the, the moment you trust Christ. That's when it's begun. You're, just, you're a project for God. He's working on you. And boy, have we got some projects, right? All of us, right? Uh, we're a piece of work, right? But thanks to God, he's patient and he's faithful like this. He started this. He's the one that called us forth, and he's going to finish it. That's what he says here. He says, um, uh, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So you and I are on a process. If you know Christ the Savior, we're on a process 
of growing into Christ-likeness, and that job will not be done until Jesus appears, the second coming. Okay, So don't believe anybody that says that they've arrived. Okay, or they've like achieved some kind of sinless perfection. Okay, that's just not that's a lie. Okay, it's just not true. We're all in process. It will not be complete until that day. So, so we know that the prayer of that we would be made worthy of our calling has nothing to do with kind of keeping uh, that, like keeping ourselves secure in Jesus by you know being worthy, mean like try to earn it to keep it. No, it's not that. So what does he mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okay, so um, here's what it means. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to share with you guys something that um, John Piper had as an illustration. I'm just going to use it because I couldn't think of anything better, and I think this is well said, about what does it mean to, to make something worthy of, the, of its calling. So he, here's the analogy. He says, it means that there is a way of living our lives as believers that is worthy of the call we received from God. Worthy here does not mean that we would live a life that earns us something. Worthy in this context means fitting, proper, or appropriate. In other words, we're to pray to God for each other that we would live our lives as Christ followers in a way that's fitting or proper of someone who has been called by God. That makes sense. Okay. Fitting or proper is the way of being kind of like that. That we would be uh, made worthy of the calling. That that our lives would kind of match up with the calling. You know, kind of rise to that. Spiritually speaking, um, and then he goes on to say, uh, and he kind of gives a physical world example. He says, suppose you redecorate a spare bedroom in your house because you want to honor a special guest who is coming to stay. And you paint the dingy walls, you buy a new bedspread, you polish the woodwork, and then you stand back to see if the room is worthy of the guest's presence. And the old lampshade sticks out like a sore thumb. It's dirty, it's torn, and it doesn't match the paint. It's out of place. It's unfitting. And that's, he's just kind of give us a physical world example of what it means to be not worthy of something, to be unfitting or not appropriate, right? And so it really kind of has to do with our, our spiritual growth, really. Uh, you know, is, are our hearts and lives in following Jesus, are, are, they, are they such a way that they're fitting to the calling that we've been given? Okay? And, and that's really what it means. So, um, so we have to kind of understand what that calling is. You know, it's our salvation. And that, Lord, so it's kind of like, you know, as you, as you pray for each other, you know, your prayer along these lines, is this going to be, Lord, I pray for, you know, whoever, insert their name, and I just pray that you would work in their life in such a way that they would be made worthy to that calling that you have called them. That they would, their lives would start to just more and more increasingly be more like Jesus. Because that would be worthy and fitting of the calling that they've received from God. Okay, so um, the next part of the prayer, he says, uh, so I'm kind of, again, kind of stating this as we could pray for one another. So the first prayer is praying that we would be worthy of the calling. 
And then the next is pray that they would be empowered by God to carry out faith-prompted resolutions to do good. Faith-prompted resolutions to do good. So there's, there's a couple things in this statement. One is that we need to be empowered by God to do these things. Okay? And the second is that these are faith-prompted. These are things that God does in us uh, that prompts us to do good, okay, or to, 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 to do goodness, uh, to have their goodness to be working out in our lives. So I want to kind of um, look at a, a couple things here. Um, and again, this is where we get this from the verse again. It's the second part of the verse. It says, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill, here's the wording of the verse, and may fulfill every resolve for good. Every resolve for good. And every work of faith by his power. So again, this is the ESV. This is, uh, we're working on this second part of the verse and, and understanding what that verse is telling us. So it talks about uh, every resolve for good. Every resolve for good. Um, and uh, I think this is really getting at, you know, think about at the first of the year, a lot of people do what? Make resolutions, don't they? They resolve to do some things, right? Uh, I think this is kind of the spiritual equivalent of that. That um, to resolve to do good, okay? And and I want to look at this on a couple of levels. Um, and uh, But before we get there, it's... Um, the, the faith prompt resolutions to do good include kind of two areas. One is that uh, areas that are in need of spiritual growth in our lives. Kind of like if you took a spiritual assessment of your life. You know, sometimes you feel like, oh, I just really need to grow in this area. Now, yes, we could always probably grow in all areas, but you know, many times the Lord just kind of um, reminds you of uh, that one area. Um, I'll give you an analogy. Um, so, you know what, the old wooden barrels, those things that are around the outside, they call those staves, like the wooden slats, staves, okay? And you can only fill that barrel to the lowest stave, right? So if there's a stave that's not going all the way to the top, you can't fill the barrel to the top. You can only fill it as far as the lowest stave, right? So think about maybe some of the areas of your life, spiritually speaking, that might be a lower stave, something that you know is really, I really need to grow in this. This is really kind of a spiritual weakness. Um, so you may resolve, you know, prompted by God, you know, convicted of something, that I need to take action here. I need to take aim and really pursue growing in this area. Okay? Um, now this is important because many times we think spiritual growth is just kind of like, you know, I just sit there and know. Grow me. No, that's not how spiritual growth works. Um, in fact, let me just uh, point you to a verse here in Philippians. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not all, only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is what I'm talking about. Um, Working out your salvation does not mean working for your salvation. Again, you can't earn being saved or being forgiven. This is a gift we receive. But working out our salvation with fear and trembling is pursuing righteousness and holiness in our lives 
being more, um, having our lives more align up with what God says in His Word. That takes effort. That's not going to happen just by sitting there. The same way, uh, you know, that you're you're not going to you know look like Arnold Schwarzenegger by just sitting at home and not going to the gym. Okay, that's just it doesn't happen. Okay, uh, same thing spiritually speaking is it takes effort. That's what I'm getting at. And pretty much everybody here knows I teach a class. Um, couple classes at Columbus State. And one of the things we tell our students there in this particular course is we teach them the science of learning. Uh, And one of those uh, pieces of information I remind them about is that if you want to learn, you got to get uncomfortable. You're going to have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. There will be times in this class where you're going to be frustrated, you don't understand it, and it's just downright hard. And I'm like, you know what? Embrace it. Live in that. Go after it. Let that motivate you because everybody can learn. Okay? Um, So, but the idea here is that you've got to get out. If you want to grow, same thing spiritually, God's going to say, you've got to put in some effort, and you're going to have to put yourself out of your comfort zone. Okay? You want to learn how to pray? You're going to have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. You know, I, when I first learned how to pray as a believer, uh, and, and I'm in a, back then I was in a home group, had 40 people. We come into Bible study. We always had communion every week, and I heard these people in this room praying out loud. And I was like, how am I going to learn to pray like that? And God was like, just start praying, you know. Um, And I I learned from hearing their prayers, by the way. That was helpful. Uh, But I had to, one day I had to pray. (laughs) Nobody made me, but I was like, guys, if I'm going to learn how to pray, i got to just open my mouth. Praying out loud, I think, is a good thing. Um, And so, uh, you know, one day I did it. And I was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. But that helped me grow a little bit, spiritually speaking. You know, you want to grow spiritually, you've got to take some time in the Bible. You've got to get spiritual intake from the Word. Guess what? That takes intentionality. That takes planning. Because I don't know anybody that reads their Bible regularly where it just happens spontaneously. Because your time, if it's like mine, it's like hard drive space on a computer. You fill it up as much as you've got. And if you don't carve out a time and a place and have a plan, it's not happening. Okay, so I'm challenging a little bit here. I'm challenging every one of us who's a follower of Jesus. You know, these are things, these are means by God has given us to grow. Prayer, time in the Word. These all take effort. Okay? Now, um, it's not all on us, thank God. But he, but he's not going to. He's not. We're not going to grow spiritually though if we don't do our part. Okay, you got to position yourself to be in that place where you can grow. Again, intentionality, a plan, all that. Verse thirteen says, "For it is God." Remember, he just said before. He just said before that we have to work out our salvation, right? 
Now he says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So the power of God is going to infuse our effort as we pursue uh, growth. Okay? Does that make sense? So this is how it works. You've got to understand how spiritual growth works. And if you just think it's just going to happen, you're deluded. You're going to be a spiritual baby, you know, always in diapers. That's not healthy. Okay? Uh, that's just not normal. Right? I mean, you would not think that, okay, you know, if Chris and I came to church in diapers, you'd say, that's a problem. <laughs> no, okay? Now, we're not going to go with anything that might require diapers. We're not talking about that. But I'm just saying, that would not be normal, would it? No. Okay, so God expects us to pursue the means of growth. Fellowship is another one of those. Spending time with each other, and not just, not just talking about the weather, but also just talking about life, talking about how your walk's going, encouraging one another, challenging each other. Right? These are all, in a sense, if you could call it resources, means that God has given us okay, to grow spiritually. And so Paul here, he's, he, that's one aspect there of, as the verse says, that we may, that God may fulfill every resolve for good. So there's good that we want to ha- be happening in our lives spiritually. So we've kind of, kind of been self-focused here on this first part, spiritual growth. But also, also that second part of verse 11 there where it says, uh, he, he says, and every work of faith by his power. Every work of faith by his power. So th- what about uh, the result, you know, just the desire here um, that that we would um, be prompted by the Holy Spirit to do good for someone. Okay. Um, well, let's take a look here. Um, Ephesians chapter two, verse ten says, "We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand." that we should walk in them. And so, isn't it cool to know that God has things for you to do? You, specifically. And he's like, he called you, uh, not just so you can just enjoy the wonderful benefits of knowing Jesus, which is great, and we should uh, uh, enjoy those. Um, but, But he's got a job for you. He's got things for you to do. And so, this is a whole nother, I really think it's a whole nother level of living the Christian life, is when you realize that it's not just about me, you know, I'm, I'm forgiven, and I'm in the family of God because of what Jesus did, and thank God it's not by works, but by faith, but then you realize that, no, man, he's got, he has things for you to do, good works he's prepared in advance. That makes it an adventure, right? Like, what if you woke up tomorrow? And you thought to yourself, you read this verse, and you said, I wonder what God's got for me to do today. That's a whole different outlook, isn't it? Like you're on a God watch now. You're kind of saying, I'm just looking for that opportunity to do good works for God. Okay? And again, these good works don't make God love you anymore. It's just like, you know, no, this is God's got stuff for you to do. You're his appointed man or woman for this particular thing he's got planned. 
But you got to be willing. You got to be available. You got to be surrendered and say, God, hey, use me today. What if when your feet hit the floor tomorrow, you said, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I know you got good works for me to do, and I just help me to see them. Help me to see them. Think about in your time with God. Maybe just ask this question in your prayer time with God and say, God, as I, you know, whether it's where you live or where you work or go to school, there's people all around you, different, you know, in different environments, different contexts, and say, God, could you show me a need today? Is there a need that someone has today that I might run across? Or maybe, maybe there's a need that I won't run across today, but you're going to bring to mind, you know, as I think through the people that you have me around, Lord, would you impress upon my heart a need? You know, and you just, what, what about if you just sit there in quietness? You know, I'm not saying you're going to have a quiver in your liver. I don't know. Or he may actually bring a name to the mind. Nothing wrong with that. God can do that, okay? But I'm just saying, just what about just giving God room to impress things upon your heart? Nothing may happen. It's okay. It doesn't mean you did anything wrong. What, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I'm willing. By doing that, you're putting yourself in a position to say, I'm willing to step out there and do these good things you have for me to do. And then, now the real test is then when he, he gives you something. Right? And may God empower us as the, as the prayer prays, right? Think back to the prayer. What does it say? It says, may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. In other words, God not only helped me to do that thing that now I think you want me to do, it couldn't even just be a word to say. You know, something I'm just, you know, but you just got to be open to what God wants to do. But now we need to say, God, let me do it in your strength. Let, let, let this be a spiritual act. Right? And that, that, I think that's just more of a mindset. Okay? All right. So, so this is really not only tells us that we, I really think these, these, this verse 11 is just all connected. How do we live in a way that's worthy of the calling? Do what we just talked about. Resolve to do, you know, that God, God's going to prompt you to resolve to do good. You know, have, have, have things in your own life that you're pursuing for spiritual growth, but also that you are determined to be available for God to use you every day. Okay? I would tell you, our world where we live, where you live, where you are, will be transformed because God's going to be working. If we make ourselves available to him. And, and, and what is all this for? Well, that really comes to the last part of the prayer. Pray that the name of Jesus would be glorified in that person's life you're praying for by the grace God supplies them. It's all towards this end. It's always for the glory of God, right? So pray that the name of Jesus would be glorified in this person's life that you're praying for, right? That you're praying for a believer, like Paul's praying here, and that Jesus Christ will be glorified through doing this stuff. Okay. For, for their resolve to do good, to grow spiritually, to do good for others, to be willing, to be made worthy of their calling, 
right? Is pray that Jesus would be glorified in all of this. That's where we get this verse here. He says, so that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in some ways, this is not a real complicated prayer, even though he spent you know, a good 40 minutes talking about it. But it is, um, we need to see Paul's heart. And that, you know, he had, God, the Holy Spirit was moving him to write this prayer down. So we know this is God's will. And so we can come and pray this for others and for ourselves. So that Jesus would be glorified. Let's go to prayer now. Heavenly Father, we are coming to you after seeing this prayer um, go up from Paul and help us, Lord, to live in a way that we would be made worthy of our calling. We thank you for the calling, Lord. We can't thank you enough for your intervention in our lives, drawing us to yourself that we might come to know Christ as Savior. To be forgiven and to also realize, God, that you want us, you want us to fulfill every resolve for good. And Lord, maybe there's things that you've been bringing up to our mind, areas of spiritual growth in our lives that we just know. It's like the lowest stave on the barrel. And that you want us to really put effort into that spiritually, look up scriptures that apply to that area of our lives, uh, maybe even you know read a Christian book that's, that's good and related to that area of our life, and maybe talk to another brother or sister of the faith about this area, really taking steps, putting forth the effort, you know, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. At the same time knowing that it's you who are working in us and empowering us to grow in that area as we put forth that effort. And Lord, we just pray that as we uh, hopefully in our times this week as we spend time with you and that we would invite you to just make us conscious of needs that are around us and that you would move within us and there would be faith-prompted act, you know, works that you that we see that you want us to do and that we would obey those promptings, step out and watch you work out of our comfort zone. Many times it will be, but Laura, we know that you're with us and that you have created us uh, for these good works that you created in advance. Lord, help us to be faithful. Thank you, Lord, when that, that the blood of Jesus has us covered. You know, when we don't do those things, but Lord, let us be like the one in Proverbs who gets back up even after falling seven times. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.